Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. So, hey, I've had a lot of great discussions this week, a lot of talk in our growth group and with many of you individually. I hope you have too about bad and angry and about good and angry and... Uh, uh, you know, what are some of the differences? And it's interesting as people have become more aware, and I've become more aware of my bad and angry and uh, whatnot. So, so we've been talking with people about, um, you know, they're good and angry and they're bad and angry. And one of the neat things that I've noticed in talking to people is they've started to tell me, as they tell me about their bad and angry, at first, I have a tendency to justify my bad and angry and say, well, the, you, you need to know why I was bad and angry. But then people catch themselves and realize, I'm justifying what's not pleasing to the Lord. And I, I just think that's part of the, what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives to help make us aware of what James says in James chapter 1, that the anger of man, that's bad and angry, that the anger of man never brings about the righteousness that God desires. And, and I just think what we got, we've got to understand this in our lives, that our bad and angry never brings about what God wants in our lives and in our world. And I hope you're sensing that God's making you more aware of your, as he is me, of my anger, and, uh, that, and, and, and how our bad and angry has, uh, it pours over into other people's lives. It has ramifications for other people. And whether this is your first Sunday ever in church or whether you've been coming to church your whole life, this anger thing is, is about all of us. It really is, isn't it? And our anger really has effects on our relationships in our world. And in your growth group this week, you're going to talk a little bit about, about how our bad and angry affects people around us. Um, I know one of the ways it affects us is it affects our anger, affects the way our kids learn to deal with conflict. And as they see bad and angry in us, uh, don't be surprised that that's the way that they grow up to deal with their anger. If they see silent in bad anger... That's the way they're going to grow up. And you're going to talk a lot more about that in your, group, your growth groups this week. But the Bible uh, is, is, is also full of bad and angry, of people who are just bad and angry one right after another. Uh, you, you, you get to Genesis chapter 4, and you meet two brothers, right, Cain and Abel. And what did we discover right away about Cain? He's angry. He's bad and angry. And he's so bad and angry that he invites his brother to go for a hike with him, and his brother never comes back from the hike, right? He murders him. I mean, that's chapter 4 of the Bible. Bad and angry. And, and last Sunday, we talked a lot about Saul, King Saul, uh, the spear thrower, and how his bad and angry um, caused him to throw spears not only at his rival David, his perceived rival David, but also at his own son. And his bad and anger just drives King Saul, really drives, and it can make the people, and your anger can make you crazy. And it can make the people around you crazy as well. And then we come to the book of Esther in the Bible, and I'm just skipping through, but we come to the book of Esther and we meet a, a character who's just so full of anger there. His name is Haman. And Haman is this man who just loathes Jews. He just absolutely hates Jews. And, um, 
and, and, and he hates them so much, and he sees this one who is like he thinks is the tip of the iceberg, the king of the Jews, as he would and seem to think he, his name. And his name is Mordecai. And he becomes so angry at Mordecai, who for him symbolizes all Jewish people, that Haman decides to build a, a gallows 75 feet high. That would be three times as high as the peak of this roof. He builds this gallow up there. And he is so angry, and he just can't wait to lynch, lynch Mordecai the Jew and to hang him up on top of that so that everybody will see it. And you know what his anger does to him and his culture and what his anger does to himself? It's Haman himself, who his own anger ends up hanging up there uh, on that 75-foot gallow. So just right on through the Bible. My, one of my favorite books of the whole Bible, the book of Jonah. And you get to chapter 4 of the book of Jonah. And what do you discover about Jonah? He is a very angry man. He is smoking red hot. There's smoke coming out of his ears. And he is furious with God in chapter 4 of Jonah. And you come to the New Testament and you meet Jesus and his disciples. And just after Jesus tells them he's going to go to the cross and die, on their, uh, die for them, what do you find the disciples do? In a heated argument with each other about which one of them are the greatest, right? You, you find earlier in the New Testament, you find King Herod, who is outwitted by the Magi. Um, Herod wants to know where this new king of the Jews is born. And so um, uh, these Magi come to him, and, and, and he sends him on this mission to find where this king of the Jews has just been born. And when he realizes that the, the Magi have left and gone another way, they've outfoxed him, he becomes so furious that he orders the extermination of every boy two years and younger in the, in the region of Bethlehem. And so you see, don't you, just right on through the Bible, book after book and story after story of people who are bad and angry. And all of these people in the Bible have something in common with our bad and anger. They have two things. We talked a little bit about it last Sunday. They have two things. It's the first thing is that they have displeasure at something that mattered to them. We, we never get angry about something that doesn't matter to us. You know, someone else's tax problems. We never get mad about that. We never get... It, it, it has to be someone or something that we are concerned about that, that matters to us. That's what we get feel displeasure about. And, and it's this displeasure. This is not the way I wanted it to go. I didn't sign up for this. This is, this is not the way that I thought that this part of my life would turn out. So it's this displeasure. So that's the first thing all these people in the Bible have in characteristics with your bad and anger. Your, when, when, your, when your son doesn't text you back for a week. You have displeasure at something. You wanted your son or your daughter to text back to you. When your spouse doesn't want to have sex when you want to have sex, you have displeasure, right, about something that matters to you. When a car is going too slow in front of you, you have this displeasure about something that matters to you. You want to get to your destination faster than that car ahead of you wants to get to there. And so you have this displeasure. Now, whenever you have displeasure about something that matters to you, you have this emotion of anger. You can't stop that emotion of anger. But what you do with that emotion of anger is where God, the Holy Spirit, and the, through the person of the Holy Spirit really helps you because you have a choice. We really tried to drill that home last Sunday. Is that when this feeling, in a way, the emotion of anger is a neutral emotion until you choose to do something with it. 
So, you know, no one makes you angry. I know you've said that to your spouse before. I know you've said that to your kids before. You make me so angry. They don't make you angry. They raise this emotion of displeasure at something that matters to you. But you choose then what to do with that anger. And you can choose bad in anger, which is the default position for human beings, right? We don't have to train anybody that direction, do we? Jackie, you're not going to need to train the twins that way. They just, they're, they're, it's built into us to cry and whine and kick our feet when something that matters to us doesn't happen and we have displeasure. When I want to eat, the baby says, I want to eat, and the whole world's going to find out about it until I eat. This matters to me, and I have displeasure. So we have a choice what to do with that. And one of the ways we know we have a choice is the book of Ephesians tells us, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Now, Paul is not promoting anger. He just, he's recognizing the fact that things will happen in our life that bring us displeasure and things that matter to us that bring us displeasure. And then we have this choice. And he says, you can choose to sin. That's bad and angry. Or you can choose not to sin as the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. You can be mad and angry, which is sinful and angry, or you can be good and angry. Okay, so we're, we're talking about all of these people in the Bible. We're talking about all of us. And that's the thing that I found in our growth group and in talking to some of you. Yeah, all of us struggle with bad and angry. But this morning, I want to introduce to you the most famous, most well-known angry person in the universe. And his name is God. His name is God. And, and, and it's kind of interesting. Um, we, we like to be very secretive about our anger, don't we? We don't like other people to see our anger. Oh, they can see the tail end of it maybe a little bit, but they don't, we don't want other people to see our anger except the person that we're angry about. Um, you know, sometimes uh, um, there is something about getting in the car to go to church on Sunday morning. You know what I mean? That, that, that like, we're, we're running late, right? Um, um, uh, something happens as you're getting ready to come to church. Um, I like milk with my shredded wheat. I know it's a weird thing, but, but I like milk on my shredded wheat. And sometimes in the long distant past, there was no milk in the morning. We had four kids. We went through a gallon, gallon or two or three a day of milk. And sometimes there'd be no milk left for me in Sunday mornings, I'm getting ready to go to church. And, and that emotion of anger, right? This displeases me, and it matters to me. So we get in the car to go to church. You know, should be a pretty happy occasion, should be a pretty good occasion. But, but sometimes, also, some of my kids were late getting ready to go to church. And they didn't have the right clothes. And, and finally, and, and I, one of the things that I do is, Instead of getting in conflict on Sunday morning, I just go out to the car and I start the engine and just sit in the driveway with the engine running. And I, I do honk the horn a couple of times and I rev the engine up a little bit and take the muffler off and stuff. And so, you know, one kid comes out, another kid comes out, another kid comes out, and finally I'll get out. So we're like 15 minutes late for church. That's not real good in my line of work, by the way, you know. So. So we're, we get in the car, and so April says, what are you so mad about? I am not mad about anything. And if these kids would just not drink all the milk. And you know what happened last night? 
I saved a piece of that birthday cake from your birthday. I saved a piece of that birthday cake and I hid it in the back of the refrigerator because I wanted to have it on Saturday night. And I went there on Saturday night and that cake's gone. I'm not mad. And so we drive to church, right? The entry. And, and then, then what happens? There is something magical about the two parking, the entryways to the church parking lot. Because all of a sudden you see other people, right? And you're like, I'm going to be secretive about my anger. And so you pull into a parking spot. I usually hit three or four cars doing that. And pull into a parking spot there. And, and you get out. And then you see Eric and Jen. And they're, they're standing there. Hey, Pastor Gary. Oh, Eric, it's so good to see you, right? I don't get a... Usually I don't get like that, right? And, and then leaving church is sometimes even worse, isn't it? Where are we going to eat today? Well, we ate there last week. You always get to choose where we... There is something about driving to church with your spouse that creates this bad and angry. So April and I have solved this problem. We drive separately. So we have, we have April, have we had an argument on the way to church in 10, 12 years? It was April's idea, by the way, that we drive separately. <laughs> we want to be real secretive about our anger. But you know what? God just lays it all out there. And one of the reasons, because he, he has nothing to be embarrassed about. You have something to be embarrassed about. And I do, too. Because our bad and angry is petty, isn't it? He didn't have his turn signal on. There was no milk for my cereal. Our anger is, God's anger is so different than ours. God's anger, he like makes YouTube videos of it. In fact, this whole book is full of what? It's many things, but it's full of God's anger. You just read through this book. You can't read very far and you see God's anger and you see God's wrath. God's book is full of his anger. But the cool thing is, is God's book is clear that whenever God is angry, he's good and angry. He is never bad and angry. He's never capricious. He's never petty. He's never irritable. He's never irascible. Um, uh, a friend was telling me about their boss the other day, and they said, you know, I'm afraid to go to my boss's door, my do- boss's office. It, by the way, it's not someone who works here at the church. It was somebody else. They said, I'm afraid to go to my boss's door. And I said, what? You know, why? And they said, because one day I'll walk into the office and I've made a huge error that's going to cost the company a lot of money. And I go in and I say, boss, I'm really sorry. I, I really screwed up on this. And the boss goes, ah, no worries, no problem. Whoa. The next day I make a little tiny error, little tiny error, and I go into the boss's office and say, hey, boss, I messed up on this and I'm sorry. What in the world? Right? And God's never like that. He's never moody. God's never grumpy. God's like me. He never, ever has a bad hair day. Angry. He, he, he just, he's just never, he's never irritable. Whenever God is angry, he is always, always, always good and angry. God is always good. Put it on that screen there. And God is, all, whenever he's angry, he's always good and angry. And we should be glad that he is. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible. Uh, There's a Bible in the rack in front of you. It's on page 205, I think. 205, Deuteronomy chapter 29. They're about to go into the land. They've been wandering in the wilderness, and they're about to go into the land. And look at what the Lord says here in chapter 29 of Deuteronomy, verse... um, 27. 
Therefore, the Lord's anger burned against this land, this people, so that he brought on it all the curses that are written in the book. In, in furious anger and in great wrath. I mean, he is laying on the synonyms. He, he broke out his thesaurus, didn't he? And he's looking for all the descriptions he can of God's good and angry. In furious anger, verse 28, and in great wrath, the Lord uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land as it is now. And so the people that are watching this, the nations that are watching this, what do they say? Look up in verse 24. All the nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this fierce burning anger. Do you see God's good and angry? God's not afraid of anger. God's not embarrassed by his anger. God's, if, when God pulls in the church parking lot, if he's angry on the way to church, he'll be angry at church because his anger is always good and angry. We're going to dig into what that means here in just a minute. And, and so what's the answer to the question that the nations ask in verse 24? Well, the answer is in verse 25. And the answer will be, it is because this people abandoned me. They abandoned the covenant, the, 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 the covenant that the Lord made with them, the agreement the Lord made with them, the God of their ancestors, the covenant he made with them when he brought them out of Egypt. Look what they did. They went off and worshipped other gods and bowed down to them, gods they did not know, gods that he had not given them. What they did, in essence, to put it into today's vernacular, is they flipped God off. They said, God, thanks for getting us out of Egypt. We really appreciate that. Now, tough luck to you, God. We're going to go worship and protoy ourselves to these, to these. You see, God doesn't get irritated about kids leaving toys out on the driveway like we get irritated about. God doesn't get irritated about, about his children uh, uh, like I do watching TV when I'm wa- trying to watch something on TV and they're making so much noise. And I just say, shut up, quiet down there, be, be, get in the other room. And I lose it. But God never gets angry about stuff like that. What does he get angry about? He gets angry about people who continue in ingratitude toward him. People who are in rebellion to him. People who, are, uh, who, who throw a mutiny against him. Th- that's who God... That's, and, and, and people who belittle his glory, belittle his kingdom, who oppress his people who ridicule his people, who don't protect the, the weak in culture and in society, who, who oppress other people. That's who God is good and angry about and against. It, it, it's, it's not about the petty things. Um, um, someone was telling me this week that they were playing a board game one time. And I, I love board games. They were playing a board game with some, with some friends. And the wife got so angry at her husband that she stalked out of the room, smoking out of her ears. I didn't think Candyland was really all that, that tough of a game. But, but, you know, these are the petty things, isn't it, that we get so angry about people saying to us, I told you so, or people that are late, or a spouse that doesn't agree with me, or an umpire that is blind as a bat. That's what I get angry about. And when I go down to Petco Field, when I sit out in center field, I have better vision of the plate than the umpire does. And I let him know that. I remind him of that oftentimes. 
But God doesn't get angry at any of those things. God gets angry at people who continue in ingratitude. We had our two, of, our two grandsons over for um, an overnight and most of the day yesterday. And we just had so much fun with them. April took them uh, to the lagoon and we made pancakes for them. And they had a special bed where they slept together. Just all of those fun things. And, man, they just ate it up. They just loved it. And we did too, although we are exhausted today. Uh, but we just had so much fun. And one of the things our older grandson, he's learning, learning how to hit a baseball, a wiffle ball. And so in our driveway, we drew out a home plate and a batter's box and a pitcher's mound and, you know, the real stuff. And uh, so he's got this plastic bat. And so, you know, I'm pitching under My arm is so sore today. I'm pitching to him and he's hitting and April's pitching to him. And we were just out there kind of, you know, on and off all day. He just loves hitting the ball. He, what he loves is do hitting the ball and hitting grandma's car. Or that's what he just, with a wiffle ball, he just gets a kick out of that. And so we're out there. And so about four o'clock, I, had, I need to, needed to be somewhere at five o'clock last night. So at about four o'clock, I needed to take him home. April had something else that she was going to do. And so um, uh, at about um, four o'clock, I, I'm telling my gr- older grandson, say, hey, buddy, um, three more hits, and then we're going to go, right? We've just been to, almost like been to Disneyland the last couple of days, right? Just done everything for them. So, hey, three more hits. So I'll give, cause, you know, because some of my pitches are fairly wide and high and low and stuff. So I said, three more hits. So, so he got a hit, you know, man, he smashed it. And he got another hit, and he smashed it. And another hit, third hit, it hit grandma's car. And I said, okay, buddy, let's go. You know, we're going to head home now. And uh, he just looks up at me with this angry look. And I said, hey, what is it? He says, I want to hit more baseballs. And I said, well, hey, we just said three more. We've been hitting balls all day. I want to hit more baseballs. And I said, hey, we're going to go now. And he takes the bat and he heaves it into the street. Farther than he hit any ball all day long. <laughs> Didn't hit grandma's car, which was a really, a really good thing. And so I'm just standing my ground. And what am I beginning to feel? My kingdom is being encroached on here. Grandpa's kingdom, right? And I'm having this emotion of anger. And I'm trying to, okay, what do I do? Knowing what I was going to preach on today. Uh, so I'm, okay, buddy. As so I just kind of got down at his level and just kind of cocked it one time here, you know. And I just said to him, I said, hey, buddy. I said, um, I want you to go pick up that bat. I said, I want you to, I want you to go pick that bat up now and. He just stood his ground. I said, no, I want you to go. I didn't say it quite like that. <laughs> you will go pick up that bat. So he goes out there, kind of taking his time, you know, looking around. And he picks that bat up, and he turns around to me, and he throws the bat. <laughs> then he hit April's car. And you want to talk about bad and angry, let me tell you. No. So he throws it back up there. And I was just steaming mad. And Jesus rescued me. April came outside. <laughs> As often happens in my life, Jesus rescues me through my wife. Now, that's a little tiny insult. But I was mad, right? I was mad. But that kind of ingratitude, we have just done everything for you for the last 24 hours. And this is what you give us in return. That's just like this. Imagine... All that God has done for us, and when we give him that kind of attitude and we throw the bat, that's what God gets good and angry about. And so he should, that treason and rebellion of flipping God. Some of you are going, well, yeah, that's the God of the Old Testament. That's why I don't read the Old Testament. 
You're only missing out on two-thirds of the Bible, by the way. Uh, and it all points to Jesus. But that's not just the God of the Old Testament. That's the God of the New Testament, too. Have you read the book of Revelation? It's the Lamb. Uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 16 says, They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of those who sit on the throne, from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Have you heard Jesus talk about hell? No one talks about hell in the Bible more than Jesus does. No, he's the great theologian of hell. And bad stuff happens in hell. It's where his wrath is poured out, his anger is poured out. And of course, you know some of the other stories of Jesus' anger in the New, New Testament, where God is displeased by something that matters to him. And what matters to him is his glory. Now, here's the good news for us today, is God wants to redeem your bad and bad and mad anger and make it like his good and mad anger. That's what Jesus is doing in our lives. He's redeeming us and he's changing us and he's transforming us to become more like his son, Jesus, who's always good and mad. You don't have to stay bad and mad. No matter how twisted it up is inside of you, no matter how angry you are, Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is transforming us to become more and more like Jesus. More and more like Him. It's this discipleship process that we're on to become more and more like Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and it's the Holy Spirit that's changing you. How do I know that? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, tells us that the fruit of the Spirit... So if the Spirit is living inside of you, what it's growing inside of you are these things, love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance. It's the same word. He's growing forbearance in us, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we listen and feel the nudgings of the Holy Spirit at those times that the emotion of anger rises, one of the things Jesus is doing is making you patient. And patience is, is the thing that will help you to move from bad and angry to good and angry. Now, here's two ways that God's anger is so different than ours. Turn in your Bibles to the uh, second book of the Bible, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus chapter 34. And the um, Exodus 34. Uh, Moses has gone back up onto the, on the top of Mount Sinai now for the second time to get a Xerox copy of the, of the Ten Commandments because something happened to the first set uh, a little bit earlier in the book. And God's good and angry is slow to anger. This is a way God's anger is different than your anger or my anger. My anger is hair trigger, my bad and anger. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's my default mechanism. God is always slow to anger. He's always patient. Uh, so Moses is back on the Mount Sinai. He's hidden himself in a cleft of a rock. Verse 6, chapter 34 of Exodus. Exodus 34, verse 6. And he, that's the Lord, we'll see in a minute. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. Nine more times in our Bibles, God will describe himself as slow to anger. He doesn't just say it once or twice or three times. Nine or ten different times in the Bible, God describes his own anger, that it's an anger that he is slow for him to come to. He's patient. 
Now, now, now being, being patient, it's a curious response to displeasure. It's really an odd response to displeasure. Our natural reaction is just to, to throw the spear right back. And, 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 and patience is not passivity. Don't mix those two things up. Passivity is, is I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm not going to bother about that. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Um, that's, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about patience. Patience is an intellig- a really intelligent emotion that God demonstrates and that we should follow in. It's a choice that we make to instead of being quick to bring up that bad and anger, we're instead we're slow to anger. It's so easy to get ticked off. The interesting thing about patience is when you choose to be patient, patient, you pay the price. You pay the price. Because the easy thing to do is to make the other person pay the price by, by pounding back, by throwing the spear back right away, by, by, by arguing back right away. You see, you're trying to make the other person pay. But when you're patient, you pay part of the price yourself. Like Jesus, in his patience to us, pays the price for us. It's this intelligent, compassionate choice. And, and it's, it's, when we're patient, it gives us a chance to see something that we don't really want to see. Two things we really don't want to see, but are good for us. It, it, when we're patient, we're able to see the brokenness of the other, other person. When you snap back, you don't see what's behind the other person's anger. But there's something behind that anger. There's hurt, or there's feeling of misunderstanding, or there's a sense of lack of self-worth. And, and, and when I just snap back in anger, I have no opportunity to, to see that and become empathetic about what that person's going through. I don't want to see that at the time, do I? I want them to pay. The other thing that we see when we're patient that I don't want to see is how broken I am. Because I'm reminded of my areas where I make other people angry, where I cause anger to come in other people's lives, and that I, that I, sometimes, that I oftentimes mess up, just like that other person is messed up. And, and I begin to, when I'm patient, I begin to see that, and I can confess that to the Lord and have, again, more empathy. So God's... God's anger is always slow to anger. The second thing we want to say is that God, good and angry is about God's glory, not about ours. And I think for me, a bottom line about my anger, and I think about your bad and anger too, is that most of the time it's about our glory. It's about our kingdom being interrupted. It's about me being inconvenienced. It's about me not being able to further my agenda, the way I think life should go, the way I think you should think, the way I think my wife should think. And it's really a, there's a kingdom battle going on in our bad and anger. It's a, it's, it's a kingdom battle about, about whose kingdom is going to rule in my life. Will it be my own kingdom and my own priorities, my own desires and wants? That's where bad and anger comes or is it God's kingdom and what he wants? And his anger is all about... By the way, he is God, right? And the whole world should revolve around him, not around me. And when I get angry and bad and angry, what I'm saying is the world should revolve around me and should, should make me happy all the time. But, when, but when, I, when I'm good and angry, it's about God's kingdom that's being 
pushed or flipped off or violated. It's, a, it's about him. Think back to the Garden of Eden. And I think, I think the very first time someone got angry, although it's not explicit in the text, but I think Adam and Eve got angry in the Garden of Eden. They got bad and angry. And I think they got bad and angry at God. And the reason I think that is because God said, Hey, guys, you can have anything you want in this garden. You can have it all. It is all yours except for one thing. And that violated their kingdom. Well, we want that one thing. And so their response was this bad and angry sin of rebellion that said, God, who are you to tell me what I can do? And they became bad and angry, and it screwed up everything since, hasn't it? Now, I think there should have been anger in the garden before that. I think there should have been good in the anger, good and angry in the garden before that happened. I wished that Adam and Eve would have gotten good and mad when that serpent crawled up to them and said, God is a liar. Why didn't they get good and mad about that? What do, they get, what do they get bad and mad about? I can't eat this one fruit, and that's the very fruit I want. Can't we play baseball some more? Can't I hit more balls? This is all about me, right? And what they should have gotten good and angry about is that serpent who said, who besmirched the glory of God and said, God is a liar. That's what we should be angry about, are the things that besmirch the name of God and His glory and His kingdom. God is angry, and He's good and angry when His glory is belittled, or when His, when his people are abused, or when, um, uh, when, when, when the, the weak and the helpless are not protected by us. Those are the things that make God angry anytime His glory is diminished at all. You know, one of the things that I think makes God angry is that there are still two million people in the world who don't know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone that's a Christian. Who know, they don't know Jesus. They've never heard the name of Jesus. And there is no one that they know who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Jesus. We got to take the gospel. That's, that should energize us. That should make us angry. Angry with this godly, this godly angry, this good and angry that Jesus wants everyone on the planet to be able to hear the gospel. And he wants worshipers of every single nation. And we ought not to stop until every single person is heard. And, and every single person has that opportunity. And there are people from every tribe and tongue. That ought to make us angry. Good and angry. We ought to do something about that. And, and this whole 20 liters water project that we're in. You know, since church started this morning, there have been 40 people, maybe 40 people here. There have been 40 children who have died around the world because simply they didn't have clean water. Since church started... the. Since this service started, that ought to make you good and angry, so good and angry that you say, I want to do something about it. What, what else is it that God's saying? This is what you ought to be. You ought, not to be. you ought not to be angry about your garage door not working anymore. I am so sorry it's not working anymore. 
And that's nothing to get bad and angry about. What we ought to be good and angry about is the things that, that irritate God, that, 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 that cause God's glory to be diminished. Um, 20, we're going to be doing a walk for water uh, September 9th. And what we're going to try, we're trying to do two things. We're trying to raise awareness that there's not clean, that everybody can't just grab their water jug and have clean water. And that not having clean water kills people. It's not just an inconvenience. And it, it, the people it doesn't kill, it makes them so sick they can't work. And the, the children have const, constant diarrhea. Constant diarrhea. It just doesn't stop day after day after day. It's simply because they don't have clean water. And we want to do something about it. Now, I want you to watch this video. It's a two-minute video. And it's, it's a video of the family who started the walk for water. We're going to do two things. Raise awareness and raise money so we can send more water filters to Rwanda. This is the family that began the original walk for water. I want you to listen really hard for what motivated Greta... What emotion motivated Greta to begin the walk for water? So let's take a look at this. Marker. <laughs> team Z's motto is loving, encouraging, and blessing. We are part of a team. We are part of the family. We function as a unit. We try to be a blessing to people we come in contact with. So for us, I think it would be what are we doing as a family that is also blessing somebody else at the same time. We were watching a video on the computer in the kitchen, and Greta was standing there, and she was watching girls her age walk for water, like they would do on a daily basis. And as she was taking this in as a seven-year-old, and she said, you mean they can't just go to the faucet? And I said, no, they can't just go to the faucet. It made her really mad. She just said, that's not fair. So that kind of started the whole idea of we need to do something. I'm still as mad about it. It's not right and it needs to be fixed. Instead of having birthday gifts, she wanted to do something different. And instead of pin the tail on the donkey, she wanted a walk for water. The first year was probably the biggest realization. You can think you know what others do. But you don't really know until you step into their shoes and, and do it. You start getting a sense of somebody else has to do this. Somebody else is doing it every day. People stop noticing that I started it and they focus on the fact that they're helping people get cleaner water. 20 liters, I think, is, is grown because it's easy to see the need. And I think a lot of people then can just say, you know what? We can do something about it. It's not just one day. It's something you think about all the time. It's the way you live. It's the way you act. It's the way you go through life. It's part of your everyday functioning in the world. If somebody were to ask me, what does it take to start something or what does it take to do something, just try it. Don't be intimidated by the whole of the problem. Just enter into, take a step at a time. God will grow it. We'll stop when everybody has clean water. That'll be the last walk for water when everybody has clean water. So what's her emotion? She got mad, right? 
She got mad and she got good and mad and making a difference. And I don't know what it is for you, Paseo, but you need to be good and mad about some things, some things that matter to God. And we want to invite you to join us. We've got a registration table out there and a registration table out there. You can walk 50 feet on the walk or you can walk the 5K. doesn't matter. We gain some people, tell some people about it. Come and join us. Register today out on the patio and come and join us. Let's stand together and let's, uh, we're going to continue to worship him. And in a moment, we're going to invite our, our ushers. Let me pray. Um, Jesus, um, we thank you that you are not indifferent to your world and that you don't stand off passive and you don't just get mad and blow off the handle. And, but instead, Jesus, you, you just have this desire for your own name to be lifted high because when your name is lifted high, that's when we have the most joy in life. And that, that's where we sense and see your power work in our lives. And we pray that we would listen for your Holy Spirit as he nudges us, as he, as he, as he, as he, as he works, that he would cause us to be slow to anger and to be angry about those things that besmirch your kingdom not our kingdoms, but your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.